This is the Ag Queen Podcast. This podcast explores the agriculture industry with the movers and shakers of those shaping it. Here's your host, Lori Boyer. Today, my feature guest is Ted McKinney. He is the new chief executive officer with the National Association State Departments of Agriculture. Ted, first off, congratulations on this new role. Well, thank you. I got to tell you, I, this is like putting your feet in comfortable shoes from days gone by. This is a group I've known since 1994, and I love them. And the fact that they deal with all issues in 50 states is just a bonus. So we're very pleased, and thank you for saying something. Do you feel like, well, we should mention uh, you dealt a lot with trade. That was your your title. Your well, What was your official title at USDA? Oh, they make them longer than they need to be. Uh, Undersecretary for Trade and Foreign Agricultural Affairs is okay. the title. And Ted, how long were you in that role? Uh, three and a half years. Okay. Uh, it takes a while for Senate to get to many of these positions confirmed. That's common across both political spectrums. And so uh, three and a half years was about the time. Okay. And Ted, I would assume that experience that you have there with trade has been very valuable and being transferred into your new role. Oh my, well, I can't say it has yet because I'm only in my first week, but it absolutely will. There's no doubt about that. I'll give you the, the best example. NASDA for the U.S. manages what we call the Tri-National Accord. It's not well known by a lot of people, but this is where the provinces of Canada, the states of the U.S., and the states of Mexico come together and talk about joint issues of both opportunity and concern. And uh, ironically, in about a month, we host it here in the D.C. area, and we're going to have ministers or secretaries of agriculture from uh, the provinces of Canada, the states of Mexico, and certainly the states of the U.S. come together. And there's a place for us to talk. Um, In all three countries, there is a great deal of co-regulation that occurs. Uh, It's not all regulations by the EPA, FDA, USDA, etc. It is many cases a state province um, uh, co-regulation. So we have a lot to cover, not to mention that we trade, we're friends, we have border opportunities and issues at different times. So uh, we're looking forward to that. We're looking possibly, possibly, don't want to get ahead of my skis here, but possibly expanding that concept of the Tri-National Accord with perhaps other countries. Wow. Okay. I was not aware of that. So thank you. What made you decide to leave USDA and go to work for NASDA? Oh, well, good question. Well, when we were done with serv- uh, our public service, you know, you get some time off. The next job is not automatic, and usually it's not a good thing. So we got to decompress for the first time in my life. It was fun, enjoyable. Well, you're busy. You're making calls, taking calls, seeing friends, sort of catching up. But ultimately, after a lot of prayer that my wife and I had, uh, it came down to the fact that my DNA, I'm not ready to leave the arena. I want to be right in the middle of the arena. I have been that way in my corporate career, both crop science through Dow AgriSciences, animal science through Elanco Animal Health, then at the state level, certainly at the federal level. And so you then see, okay, what opportunities are there to stay in the middle of the arena? And you don't get much better than NASDA, which is 50 states, four territories, and all issues. We have to prioritize, of course, so it's not all issues, but it has the potential to be that. 
So there's that. And then, uh, you know, the divine hand, uh, I sort of chastised my dear friend, Barb Glenn, who I uh, succeeded her. Barb, just she and the team and the board just reset NASD on such a great footing, a new foundation, so to speak, where I think we can launch in and be even more valuable to our, our many partners, farmers and ranchers, uh, the government, federal government, and many, many more. And it just felt right. And we sort of listened to the divine and said, okay, we're being told this might be it. Not to mention that I've known it so well and so comfortable and I love this group. So I'm a lucky guy, Lori. I'm a lucky, lucky guy. And I know that. Great. So that being said, and I know you mentioned a little bit in there some of the work that NASA does, but what is NASA? Tell us more about the organization itself and the, the overreaching goals and, and what you do. Sure. Well, uh, in the states, every state and territory has either a commissioner, a secretary, or a director of ag, and they're all about the same thing. Most are appointed, some are elected, but they're all there to lead a state or territorial department of ag. So they do all the work from regulate in many cases to policy work, to interface with the federal government, to economic development. I did all of those things in Indiana and my colleagues and the board does all that here. And I've not even scratched the surface, but those are some of the main areas. So the beautiful thing is that they come together in a nonpartisan, not-for-profit manner. We are a nonpartisan group. We don't take strong sides for or against either political party. We come together to do what we believe is right for food and agriculture. And the coming together is the NASDA organization. So we have, uh, you know, all 50 directors come together once, twice a year. We have an, a, a board of directors, uh, you know, a dozen or so, and then an executive committee. And that's the group that gives me the guidance and the staff the guidance that we need to go do, uh, go do our thing. But to be sure, there's a lot of self-autonomy. And we, we know, or at least we're hired to know, Washington policy, the state's and that's where I'm so lucky to have been in every single one of those positions and in some way, shape or form touched maybe not all of these issues, but an awful lot of them. And so uh, it makes this just uh, that much more pleasurable to come in, having known a, known a little bit about what we do. Talk to me about some of the specific work that NASDA does. And all you've got to do is pick up any newspaper, turn on any television show, and you're going to hear what's going on. So let's just pick them up. Today, we sent a letter to the Hill endorsing uh, the, the Congress approval of the $1.2 trillion infrastructure package. We think that's very important. It's bipartisan on the Hill for the most part. It is most certainly bipartisan within NASDA. And we wanted our voice to be out there saying, look, that is a good thing. Now, we're still silent on that much larger social package of $3.5 trillion even though there are some things that might benefit agriculture in there. So you make these calculated decisions based on input from the board and your own common sense here. That's one. In agriculture, you've no doubt, as have your listeners, uh, waters of the U.S. Um, it passed in 15. Uh, it was uh, taken back and then re, uh, redone uh, under the last administration. All of our members, both Democrat and Republican, thought that we had it right, and it's been pulled back again for a redo. And so we're spending a fair amount of time on that because it, um, it, it can be very threatening if it's not done properly, not to mention 
that the states have statutory authority on all waters that are not navigable, not navigable. And our sense, at least this is our board's view, is that there might be some straying by our good friends at EPA into the non-navigable, non-water areas, wetlands, so to speak, non-navigable ditches, dry ditches, irrigation ditches. And so, you know, we have to stand up because we love and know agriculture. Uh, we're certainly closer to agriculture through our state departments of, of ag than anybody might be in Washington. And we're going to stand up and defend that authority because uh, it's something we take pride in in the states. And we think we're doing a pretty good job. And I'm giving that credit to our members, not to our staff, but to our members. And then you go on into animal disease, pestilence, pesticides, what's approved, what's not approved. Are we getting screwed by other countries around the world? How do we feel about trade? I could go on and on. I'd bore you to tears, Lori. But these are a few things that I think are on top of mind of a lot of the farmers and ranchers that listen in. And it sounds like networking and general points of view and discussing what's going on in one state versus another. Yep, we just uh, a week ago finished our annual meeting in uh, Louisville, Kentucky. Commissioner Ryan Quarles had been our president. He's now passed that torch to Commissioner uh, Richard Ball of New York. And uh, okay. we had a great, great team. I'll say that first of all. But let me just say that uh, there was a lot going on there. And uh, among the many policies that we passed or dove into, just the networking in the hallway over breakfasts, lunches, and dinners where State A can talk to State B and learn and share. And this is how consensus works. Uh, and so it's not always perfect because we don't have the opportunity to gather in a single place like Congress does all the time. But uh, we're pretty proud of our coming together. We do usually reach consensus. So whether we get together once or twice a year or whether it's on the phone or some other method, it's our goal always to work in a nonpartisan and hopefully consensus manner. Ted, talk about some of your personal goals in the new role as CEO. Well, I do have to take a half a step back and say that NASDA's board, my predecessor and the staff, have an outstanding uh, strategic plan and tactical plan now. I've looked it over. I like it. I would have endorsed it were I on the board still. That's first, second, and third priority. We're going to do that right. And it basically is a reflection or a commentary on the things that we have traditionally done. But you ask, what's some of my vision? Well, that's the first piece. Then if the board agrees, we're going to put uh, we're going to put a toe. I'd like to put a toe, an ankle, knee, maybe even waist deep into some more international things. Uh, our board is asking for that. Remember, we have trade components. Our commissioners, directors, and secretaries oftentimes travel to one, two, three countries per year, COVID permitting, to do trade. Now, sometimes that's to help the commodities that you know so well, corn, soybeans, wheat, rice, cotton, all the, the animal proteins. So they do some of that. Furthermore, the Foreign Ag Service grants to us, to our directors and secretaries and commissioners, monies that we then take to the mid and small size companies. Think of a small meat packer that's got a unique meat product. Uh, gummy bears, for crying out loud, is on there. Uh, textile type products that come from the cotton industry. You name it, we have those medium and small businesses. So our members do trade as well. 
So I'd like to see us step into that a little bit more. And uh, with the support of the Foreign Ag Service and in support of them, uh, maybe there are things we can dive in in a supportive manner on difficult issues that we face because it's still a eat or get eaten world out there. I lived that world. And, uh, and we've got to stand up for what we know to be fair. We're never going to be unfair. We'll never be unfair. That's the thing I'm so proud of in the U.S. That's certainly the theme that I had in my role at USDA. But even so, um, there's folks that want to take advantage of the generous uh, generosity of the United States. So maybe there's a place there. We're going to be building out our foundation. This NASDA group has a great propensity to do some fantastic research with partners that may not want to just have their own name on it, but want to partner with a group and let us help put our stamp on there along with their own. So there's going to be a lot of work on the foundation to take in projects that somebody else won't do, can't do, does want to do alone. And so uh, we'll make sure that's done right, always in that bipartisan, nonpartisan, all for one, one for all mentality. Uh, I would say the whole area of climate change is a very big deal. You know this well. And underneath that can come so many things. Rightly or wrongly, I put waters of the U.S. under that. Do farmers get paid for being a carbon sink with their wonderful green trees, their soybeans, their crops of all sorts? Does that? How does that happen? Is it a private industry-led payment? Does the federal government pay that? Is it both? All these things, uh, the states have uh, some real proficiency in. I mean, there's no dummies out there. They study this as well. So our goal is always to partner with others, mostly the federal government and the lead agencies or USDA, EPA, uh, FDA, and I'll even put USTR in there. Always partner with them, partner with our industry and our association colleagues, and come back with a better product that lifts everybody. Rising tide lifts all ships is my theme. So those would be a few things, climate change and all its facets, this international trade aspect, and then just do what the group already did so well and deliver the goods on that. Those would be just a few. And I would assume of the topics that was discussed at that meeting was barges sitting out in the ocean, not being able to get supplies into the United States, which is causing some shortages. I'm sure that state commissioners are very concerned about that, right? Hell yes. Uh, There's a lot of reasons for that. uh, And who knows what that might be. Uh, We know that a lot of containers are getting sucked back to the Asia-Pacific area, China primarily, empty. How does that work? Um, There are issues at the ports that are our issues uh, that we've got to resolve. And so we've spoken with, well, Secretary Vilsack spoke to the NASDA meeting. Um, He was on a, a call, I think, yesterday or the day before. And he's well aware, as are others, and I think they've taken the issue to the proper authority, the the Maritime Commission. So I suspect, like a lot of things that are big and bad and terrible like this, there's a sorting out, uh, a decoupling, a figuring it out, but we'll get there. But in the meantime, yeah, harm is being caused. We're not uh, fulfilling the shipments that uh, orders are in place for, and... um, well, we'll have to see if some of this is just unfair trade practices and somebody buying off a, uh, a container or two or a hundred or a thousand or 10,000. And, uh, and we have to bid that up. We don't want to go there. That's not good, fair, proper trade, but there's a lot of things. 
just know that the right folks are aware and we're going to sort it out. And that's being done. Ted, anything else that you thought of or you would like to point out here today? Well, we at NASDA like farms on my farm, like farms on my own. Uh, my twin brother manages our farms with mom and dad back in Indiana. <laughs> Health and safety is always important. So I always, always for years and years remind people this time of year, take a chill pill when you're going down a country road, a road or a highway, because no doubt there's going to be a combine or a tractor or tillage equipment. And so let's just cut our farmers some slack. Um, and the same goes for COVID. You know, I know this business is controversial and I don't understand why, but we surely do urge people to consider strongly taking that vaccine. I know this up close and personal. My father, my grandfather had one leg about a foot shorter because of the polio when they did not have a vaccine. He made it through, uh, you know, a career as a farmer. I guess he could pull himself hand over hand on a rope with just his arms because he didn't have both legs. And here we are, sort of many of us refusing to accept that we have a really terrific, terrific set of vaccines. And so that's my view. I'm not trying to tell people what to say, but I do think it's a good thing. They're safe. I think they're proven so. So I would just say let's pay attention to our families and our community's health and well-being. Ted McKinney, the new chief executive officer of the National Association of State Departments of Agriculture. That wraps up today's interview. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Ag Queen Podcast with your host, Lori Boyer.